whether you eat or drink. Whatever you do. 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 Or whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. Welcome to Whatever You Do. I'm Danny. And I'm Abby. We're just best friends trying to figure out how to bring glory to God in whatever you do. Welcome to episode 60. Ooh, does that feel It feels good. It feels great. I love the special numbers. One of these days I'm going to be really excited about... Does special number just mean it ends with a zero or a five? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to be, like, excited about, like, 71. But 70. 70, I might celebrate. Real feeling good about that one. Yeah. I knew you were going to make fun of me for saying that. Um... (laughs) I'm always the one who, like, but labels... But you're excited about, like, well, 47! It's only three away from 50! <laughs> it's fresh on my mind, because right before we hit record, I label the episode number, and so I'm always having to look up what episode number it is, and so I, I feel like I'm, like, announcing the celebration to you. You know how sometimes we start out <laughs> quiet, and we get loud as we progress? Yeah. We're starting real loud. Yep. From mm-hmm. the get go. It's because it's episode 60. So <laughs> you better turn your volumes down. Well, do you know that every time right before you hit the, <laughs> the, the record. record button, what's going through my head every single time is that I want to... <laughs> I think I've maybe even said this before. I don't know if I said it on the podcast or just to you, but there's this some SNL sketch from a long, long time ago where I think it might not I might not even be remembering it accurately, <laughs> but it's like and what back But like, I wanna do that every time but I then realize no one will have any idea what I'm doing or, and I'm not even probably doing anything right, right? Uh-huh. and Well so. that'll be special. We'll save that for episode seventy one. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Now there's going to be some listener out there who, when we forget, mm-hmm. they're going to be... I'll remember when I label that episode. You're going to have to like point to me like, uh-huh. this is your moment. <laughs> so, <sighs> how are you? I feel like I haven't... We didn't, we didn't record last week. I know, we missed last week. Sorry, guys. We, yeah, I wasn't feeling well. Yeah, it was a... It was, and Chip had a random night off that he wasn't planning to. And, and so, I hadn't seen him in a long time. Yeah, so it worked out great to not record. But I feel like I also haven't, like, seen you much or talked to you much. I that I'm, like, been missing recording only for the time to hang out with you. So really, this is going to be one of those episodes that I forget we're podcasting and I just think we're hanging out talking and suddenly I'm going to remember. Are those some of your new shorts you're wearing? No. Oh. I'm so annoyed. I went to go buy shorts because mine are too big now. and Which is a great thing. It is a great thing. But I went to Kohl's in hopes, not thinking, obviously... To try on different sizes since... Well, I would have had no clue that they... I've heard that fitting rooms are closed, but I just didn't know or think. Anyway, I went there, like, grabbed a couple different sizes and uh, different styles and, like, walked over to the fitting room all pumped and excited to, like, try on. And I'm like, and it's totally closed. And I was like, I don't... I literally can't remember a time I've bought in a piece of clothing unless it's from, like, Amazon, that I haven't tried on. Like, I don't buy clothes without trying it on. So, super frustrated because I really didn't know. I feel like I know I've tried this pair of shorts on before and I knew what size I tried on. But I also know I've lost weight, so I didn't know which size size I was going to need below it. Mm -hmm. So I went with just one below it, and I tried them on today, and they're... Like, they fit, but, but like once I walk you, around and wear them, they're going to be falling off. It, and if and, you lose any more weight. Right. Then. So I'm like, do I just... I'm thinking about just keeping this size, but also buying the one below it. So I just have the shorts in every size, And but I was really annoyed because... I haven't fully decided, so I don't want to take the tags off yet. And these are, like, really, really big shorts on me. And so, anyway, 
That's Sorry my for, short dilemma. Sorry for bringing that up. Super frustrating. I just wanted to Here, try I them I was like, off. oh, maybe these are, maybe no. they worked great. No, mm, I mean. Sorry. They'll probably be like, yeah, they'll be fine. Maybe if I eat some dessert this weekend. See what I'm wearing? I don't. I'm, not shorts. I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm not sure what these are. Abby has trouble believing that I don't really I don't, like wearing shorts. It really bothers me because I don't even like wearing leggings, like capri leggings, really, even. I just, I'm so hot that I can't fathom in the summer in Arizona wearing jeans. Like, I just can't wrap my head around it. I've been doing it my whole life. It's so gross. It's making me sweat right now. <laughs> Well, apparently, my <laughs> pants wearing is super offensive. It is, and I'm offended by it, so therefore, you should not do it. Okay. <laughs> well. So, anyway, we haven't talked in a while. Tell me about your week. My week? Really, two weeks, because we haven't, we didn't record last week, and... Well... Last week was my week where I was going to get my schedule figured out, and Mm -hmm. I was going to get life figured out, and I was going to be ready to start Monday with a bang. Yeah, but that's... I think we both knew that that wasn't going to happen. Just went downhill, but... So I did not feel like I started out Monday knowing what I was doing with Mm -hmm. my life. Then I made the extreme decision on Monday... That I wanted to lap swim so badly (laughs) two days a week that the only time slot on Tuesday and Thursday when I wanted... Well, any of the days, but I wanted to swim on Tuesday and Thursday. The only time slots available for any of the days was 4.45 to 5.45 (laughs) a.m. So I went ahead and secured my spots with my payment for them. Which felt really like locking it in for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. I'm not the type of person who can put money down and then waste and then it, not yes. do it. Yes. So even I feel like if it was like a dollar, you would have still been like, but I paid a dollar. Probably it. it was four dollars each time though, which felt like, oh, I, there's no way I can yeah not do that unless I was like throwing up or something. Yeah. So I got up at four thirty. Tuesday morning, and honestly, ever since then. You got your life together? I don't think I got my life together, but God somehow Used the swimming to... I don't even know if he used the swimming, but something... I'm just ending this week feeling like I worked out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday like Mm -hmm. I wanted to. I swam on Tuesday and Thursday. I have somehow magically incorporated logic of English with all of my kids back into my mm-hmm. life and do I'm doing school with Archer oh. my four year old are you doing logic with him or no, doing something else it's not like real school yet it's right, like but- five minutes of school a day it's these I just bought some like uh, writing control note uh, workbook to, where they have to learn to just trace the lines okay those mm-hmm. yeah Pen control, whatever you want to say. Pencil control. Um, A basic learning how to write numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, This preschool learning to think, critical thinking, where it's like, look at the three pictures and tell me which one happened first, which one happened second, which one happened third. Or look at these Mm -hmm four pictures and tell me which two things are matching out of them. You know, where yeah. they're all similar, but there's two that are exactly the same. Yeah. Those types of things. So, and then a cutting, mm-hmm. a cutting one where he has to cut on the lines. So, it doesn't take long at all. He loves it and feels mm-hmm. like I'm He's, in school yeah. with him. I heard him and, telling Sayla all about it. Yeah. But it takes not right. very much yeah. time. and So... And it's things that I feel like, especially working on the pen control and Mm -hmm. stuff, will really help when I do start... Logic with him. Yes, because he's so eager to want to write. He's learning to write his name, which is just always so cute Mm -hmm. when they do that. Yeah. And 
so yeah, I don't know. If I am like, well, this surely means a disaster will happen tomorrow. Okay, but. let me just tell you, when I was driving today, I feel like I spent my whole day today in the car. And it's very rare for me. <laughs> I never spend my whole day in the car, but I did. And so what when did I, you do besides take Grace on to art? I also went to the chiropractor, oh, okay, went well. and got no, that was no yeah, I went and got emissions done in my car. I went to the store to get fruit. I went to Target. Wow. I did a lot of errands today. But while I was in the car, I was listening to a book that I've been listening to on audiobook. It's called Teaching from Rest. It's been really good. Yeah. I really liked it a lot. It reminds me a lot just of some of the things we talk about in our conversations of like how our philosophy on homeschooling kind of is of like you have to figure out like what's important to your family and then it's not the curriculum that like dictates how you do things it's you dictating the curriculum and how you want to use it and right and deciding like if you're adding in a bunch of extra fluff to your thing because you want to your kids to have this rigorous education then you're probably doing none of it well like if you're adding in all of these multitude of different things and different subjects, then you're probably not doing a good job in any of them. Like your kids might be like well, doing them. And I think that I was, I was actually thinking of this today that, so I'm going to just interrupt right in the middle of what My you're story. saying. Okay. Yep. Go for it. But it, for me, it takes a certain amount of time with a curriculum before I feel comfortable and confident mm-hmm. of what things I can leave out. Yeah. Which is always hard because when you first start a new curriculum, it is time consuming trying to learn it and mm-hmm. trying, and you're trying to do all of it because you don't want to skip over something that you don't think you really need, but then find out, oh, we yes. really needed to be doing that. Yes. And now that we didn't do it for the first five lessons, it really matters now. And yeah. now I just feel like... Ugh, right. I'm stuck and I don't even know how to proceed from here because we were never writing down all those words in that notebook over here thinking that probably didn't really matter. But right. Yes. Actually does, you yeah. know, that type of thing. So I was thinking about how nice it is to be at a place with Logic of English where I can look through and say in my mind, okay, I'm, we can skip that. We don't need to do that mm-hmm. and not feel like I'm worried about it. But also I was thinking about the fact that for families with lots of children, these extra activities feel like, oh my goodness, who in the yes. world has time for this and nobody would want to do it. But I was thinking about, well, if I had two kids mm-hmm. and my days would be just much less mm-hmm. chaotic than right. they are. Mm-hmm. And it would be really nice and helpful to have some extra ideas and tips of yeah. things to make mm-hmm. something take up 45 minutes instead of 30 minutes because maybe I need to fill up some more right. time, you know? And I think sometimes, too, I get <clears throat> caught up on the idea of, like, we have to do this curriculum this way to make sure they, like, check all of the boxes and get all the things, forgetting that... So often our kids are learning and doing things and and exercising the same same part of their brain in how they're playing. Like today, Graceland and Junie were like writing notes back and forth to each other and like delivering them to the houses. And it's like, I feel like that could easily be like in a curriculum of like, I saw it in in Cades recently. And they all sat down during playtime and were right, Juniper was writing stories. Yes, they wrote like comic books books and and drawing pictures and copying pictures. But I feel like if I were to say, Graceland, it's school time now and I want you to sit down and you're going to write a book and you're going to make a story out of it. write a letter to your friend. Would she do it? Yes. Like even in Logic of English with Cade the other day, it was like... Pretend like you're planning a party and write, sit down and write. And I'm thinking, we can skip this because we probably have done this multiple other times of like thinking. Where we actually are planning a party. And the kids are planning something or whatever. But anyway, all of this to say, I was driving today thinking, wow, I'm feeling like probably the first time ever so far in my homeschooling career, good about things. And my next thought is, I don't want to say that out loud because it probably means 
something's about to like for me the the thing that I already feel looming over me is that not next week but the week after that we're gonna be vacationing for a week so that always feels like okay can we Uh just hold our breath through that and come out the other side where we just stay in our group with things but yeah I know also the fact that I did wake up at 4.30 to go and swim makes me feel real excited that if I can potentially get the 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. time slot next week next week that feels like waking up at 5.45 to go swim feels like Mm -hmm. nothing like oh that's late yeah I wouldn't have thought that this week yeah Mm -hmm. but now and you can get home and be just changed yeah Mm mm-hmm well, that's great. I'm honestly, I was just thinking today when I was having those thoughts of like things are going really well, but I don't want to like jinx it, even though that's like completely Obviously you don't believe that. Yes. No, but at the same time, I was immediately like convicted about like, well, I'm so quick to like vent and talk to other people when things aren't going well that I feel like I should be like praising God for like the work he's done, especially in Graceland and the struggles I've had with her. And I I honestly feel like things are going so well right now in our homeschooling because of just her being able to read a little bit has just drastically changed a lot of things. And it feels like it opens up so many more doors for her, for our whole family. And it's just been, I've just been really, really grateful and thinking back to even nine months ago in the feelings I was feeling of complete utter desperation and defeat and discouragement. I was thinking about that the other day when someone was talking about wanting to start homeschooling and just feeling really unsure about it Mm -hmm. and unsure of where to start and I was thinking about the fact that we can feel so defeated Mm -hmm. and like we don't know quite what to do yeah but that doesn't mean that the answer is send them to school right with someone and else, that was a is- huge huge last summer around this time was my biggest like struggle is i'm like i don't want to do this i don't i don't know how i don't want to i don't i don't feel like i can even pretend like this is a good idea but yet I feel like God is very much like convicted our family that we should be homeschooling our kids, but I felt so right. But also when we would talk it through and when you would think it through, you wouldn't necessarily come to the conclusion when you actually thought about the details, right? That the school that a school would be better, mm-hmm. and that someone else trying to teach her, right? In just a normal, typical school, just right. throwing her into a school was really the answer, even though right. that's the answer you wanted to run to just because it felt mm-hmm. easier and right. like you but didn't have to think it through. But God was so faithful just thinking to of provide how, each thing that you needed. How gracious needed. God has been in like not knowing exactly what she needed and feeling so discouraged by it. And then God literally just dropping into my lap, really into my email inbox, randomly, an email from someone who I had gotten on her mailing list a couple years before at the homeschool convention. I don't even remember signing up my email address with her. And I've never seen emails from her otherwise. It doesn't mean that she hasn't get sent emails, but there right, weren't but ever I've in a never, time right. where you were paying yes. attention and wanted to see right. them and needed to see and them. And it was that she was starting a new um, tutoring class for dyslexic kids. And it was so like, we were already almost set and ready to like start a whole different program for Grayson. Feeling unsure about it, but feeling like I it don't know what better I, than nothing. nothing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it was very intensive with the amount of work I would have to do, which would is what made me really nervous. Um, Especially because at the time you had just found out you're pregnant. Yes. And you knew that you were going to be having a baby, and yeah. So I remember seeing this information about the class the class was local it was 20 minutes away it was two days a week and I remember talking to the teacher on the phone and talking to her about Graceland and just crying after getting off the phone like 
this feels too good to be true. Like and it's like Chip's email about yeah becoming bees. a beekeeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it literally is like, why do I think God can't do something like that? Why do I think God, when I'm feeling so defeated and feeling like I don't know what to do, why do I not believe that God? Why do we not run to Him and ask Him? Yeah, and then and then patiently trust, wait. Yes, right, that He's going to provide the way. And I mean, even when Grayson did all the testing for dyslexia and it came back being how severe she was, I also remember feeling like, well, I don't even feel like a class two days a week is going to even help her. And I mean, it's only been, she started the class in September and it's June and she's like actually reading now. And she's way more confident in a lot of doing spelling. She's talks to adults when she never used to talk to adults, just things that she has, she has changed so much in, and it's just been, it's just been so amazing to see. So do, are we doing everything I would want in my dream mind of a homeschool? No, but just how much that has helped. And the fact that she can just, I write out every morning what I want her, what school I want her to do. And she just looks at her list and she just gets to work. Like there'll be days that I wake up and she's already done half of her school for the day and she just works hard and gets it done and it's literally like mind blowing. Because your problem with her before was a lack of confidence. And she, she didn't want help but she also didn't know what to do. I had to sit there with her with every subject, everything. She would like refuse to try to do anything unless I was there with her working on it with her. And it was like I can't like, I, I can't do that. And you have to, like, try. And it was, it literally feels like night and day yes. with her. And it just is so amazing to me that God has brought her as far as he has and done such a work in her. And just thinking back to my own self in last summer and how much I didn't believe God could do that. Mm-hmm. And how much he just really... Has. Yeah. <laughs> and just how grateful I am for it. And, and even when you think about the fact that the schedule with her class and everything hasn't interfered, <laughs> just makes it sound like our kids' playtime is... Oh, no, but that would but be an issue. I remember yes. even with the idea of sending her to some sort of school, mm-hmm. I mean... It would drastically change her life to mm-hmm. not be able to be mm-hmm. as close of friends and yeah. do playtime with her friends the same way. That, yes, right. Especially when you live next door. Right. Because mm-hmm. it just would really be a bummer. But this hasn't felt like it's no. really and taken I mean, away from that at all. Thanks to coronavirus, it's even been made easier on me. We used to have to drive her to the class and drop her off and then go pick her up and... It was fine, but now she does it on at home on Zoom. She likes it better. I like it better because I don't have to drive her, and it just has the gone. The teacher seems like it's working out. Yeah, they, I think they might just keep it for a while like that. And um, I just recently talked to her teacher, and she they were planning on taking a break for the whole summer, but she decided that some of the kids can just keep going and doing the Zoom class. So I'm glad that Grayson doesn't have to, like – take time off, you know, because right. it definitely it sets like them back. Yes. Has made Hit. some major yes. breakthroughs that So I'm thankful for that and so overall I just feel like it's going super great. Good. And I'm really excited for just the opportunities it's opening up for her. That's awesome. Yeah. And it really just feels like when you can have your kids do some, some, not even all, some of their schoolwork independently, it just feels mind-blowing. And it's really cool because it's hitting a point right in time for you to be able then to work more intensively with Sayla mm-hmm. on learning to read, which mm-hmm. I agree that that's feels like one of the biggest... I remember everyone would say to me, like, oh, once they know how to read, though, that then you can... But I was like, okay, well, my child is not learning to read, and I've been working with her for how many years, and it's not working. Right. So that was my biggest, like, okay, that's great and everything, but 
I don't know what else to do to get her to be able to right. do that. And I think that her lack of confidence in not being able to read poured over into feeling like you couldn't even trust that once she could read mm-hmm. that she was going to be motivated to, to be an independent yes. worker, mm-hmm. even though you know she's kind of an independent yeah. thinker and worker on other things. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to know that that's really trust and know that that's really going to happen. And Right. It's really just, yeah, it's changed her personality drastically. Yeah. And I think that she's just learning a lot about herself and a lot about what things and she I mean she is not ashamed at all about being dyslexic she'll happily talk to anyone about it she'll let people know about it and not in like a using it as an excuse to not work hard but I feel like she just is very like oh that's just I'm dyslexic and so I don't learn well I'm not good at reading but I'll try my best and you know today we brought her to a art class that someone in our church was putting on and um she was very nervous to go because she didn't no, and she didn't know people like it wasn't like all of her friends were going to be there right and i dropped her off and she was like so like i don't want like just terrified and we talked the whole drive there about like what it was going to be like in that like it's okay to be nervous and i don't really like meeting new people either in new environments either and it's something that i struggle with anxiety over and so i understand that she's feeling that way but also this is a subject you really enjoy yes, and you'll she, learn a lot and she loves it and but apparently she had told me that the only reason she said she wanted to do it is because i was asking her when she was like playing on her kindle and wasn't really thinking about it oh <laughs> and so she suddenly was like oh i have to actually do this and so she was just feeling like unprepared and even though she knew she said yes and she knew she had to do it right but then two and a half hours later i went and picked her up and she was literally danny like glowing she was like it she had the best she was like that was the best class i've ever done in my life like it was incredible for her and she just was so like well she brought her whole thing excited over and showed me everything oh, and she was did. telling me all about Aww. all of it yeah so and it's just to see her get to go to a class that is her strength. I think she's just used to going to a class where she's one of the kids who knows the least and is the worst at at it because that's what her, you know, reading class is like. And so, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. This is a very no that long description of. Um, you should be sorry, Graceland's. No, I think so. It's a, I think it's encompassing a lot of experience like homeschool experience though yes so you're talking about one specific child in your experience but it really encompasses a lot of Mm -hmm. homeschooling in general and different people are going to run into different trials with different kids and different things at different times and the core foundation of it really goes back to god is faithful Mm -hmm. to provide what we need when we need it and he's he's faithful to give us the grace we need for today in our, our like reality now he's not giving us the grace we need for three we months from now may not know how the whole thing is gonna pan out right yeah yep so yeah what else Oh, we have some more questions from... Yeah, let's switch from homeschooling to birthing. Sometimes when we birth babies, we then have to homeschool them. So we'll just reverse that segue (laughs) and say sometimes. So, got another question. Um, And this question is about... Someone wanting to know practical tips for transition and labor. And I quote, I'm thinking about that up and coming moment in some practical ways not to lose my beep. Except they didn't write. I know. They wrote beep. They wrote. They wrote the beep out. Uh-huh. The <laughs> So this, we started talking about this right before we hit record. And I cut us off because I wanted to... Sometimes we forget and we talk about the... We talk about the whole thing before we even record. But this is probably a topic that we're both very, very familiar and can feel to our core of... (laughs) 
<laughs> core meaning every intimate area uh-huh. of our body. Uh-huh. For me, it was my third baby's birth, Selah. And that was my first, it was my second VBAC, but my first vaginal hospital birth. My only vaginal hospital birth. And it was horrible. I remember hitting this point in labor. I I was laying on my back in the hospital bed and I was looking at the people around me, the nurse, my doula, and Tim. And I was like, give me the epidural. And I was like begging them. And they were all just like looking at me like, oh, so cute. You're probably close. And I remember being like, no, you don't understand. Like I'm dying inside. Like I literally feel like I'm being ripped apart. And they were like, thought it was a joke. And as you're saying all of this, it takes me straight back to when I was laying on my back in the hospital bed with my fourth birth, my fifth baby, Brindley. But your first natural hospital birth. My first natural hospital birth. And I remember looking at Chip and saying, if this isn't transition, I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. And fully believing Mm -hmm. that. Fully believing that if it wasn't going to be over very soon, Mm -hmm. that that I I couldn't live through it. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds so dramatic to no, say that. But that's very much how I felt with I, that I birth. got to the point where the pain of it made me feel like I was... A lot of times you'll hear people talk about labor land where you go, you really go into yourself and you internalize things mm-hmm. and you're... Right. I don't feel like where I got was Laborland. I feel like where I got was I was trying, my mind was almost trying to shut down and leave consciousness mm-hmm. to tr- tr- try to escape right. all of it. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I can't describe it because in so many ways the words I would use to describe it would sound the same. Like... I don't remember who was around me. Well, that, I feel like, is similar right. to when I'm in labor land. I, rem- I feel but like the word that would describe that time with that birth differently was panic. Mm-hmm. Like, utter terror and panic. Which, I wouldn't use that to describe transition in my following births. But with that birth, it was such, like, feeling like, no, you don't understand. This isn't okay. Like, I am terrified that this is too much and I can't, like, mm-hmm. I really can't handle it. And I think they even, like, had started an IV because they said, like, oh, well, you have to have an IV before you can get an epidural. I'm like, I don't care. Start it then. Like, I'm I'm done. Like, I can't. Was this before or after she broke your water? It was right after. Yes. And so, that's exactly with. And it was 45 my, minutes later that Sayla was born. It, it is my. I'm trying to remember. Well, no, she broke my water with Titus also, but yes. It was 45 minutes after mm-hmm. my water was mm-hmm. broken with Brindley. Yeah. So. There is a level in which, well, the whole level, that God knows what he's doing when he has our bodies work in birth in, a, in a, the way that he does without man's interference. Not to say that man shouldn't and can't ever interfere. Right. But... When there isn't a reason to interfere, there it, even though it might feel like I remember them saying like, "Oh, you're seven centimeters and your bag of waters is bulging. I could break it real quick and it would make things speed up." And That's to me, exactly what they told me, I was like, "They said, well, it could be more like hours and hours, of right? This. Or if I break your water, it's gonna get more intense, but it'll be over so right. soon." So when you're looking at that, I'm like, "Well, would I rather just have it get worse and over faster, or would I when rather it already le- feels what you feel like feels bad?" Yes, right, or intense so, or whatever. But when we look at it as like, well, God gave you and your baby that bag of waters for a reason and it's not broken yet for a reason and 
I promise and can guarantee you, eventually it will open and a baby will come out of it. Your right. baby won't be stuck in there forever. Like, right. even if you birthed your baby on call with the bag of waters around your baby, it, you can then break it. Like, yeah. it, your water doesn't have to break for you to birth your baby. Right. And that water provides a lot of things. It helps to help the baby not to to have that cushion to be able to move more freely to be able to get into the right position it helps them to be not be compressed with right. contractions which can compress the cord compress like it can have put heart, pressure on them heart rate issues because of that and so and it pr- protects them from any sort of infection mm-hmm. yeah when they're when it's sealed up yes so what in the following births did you do to help prepare yourself for that time of transition, if anything? Well, I'll say that my next birth was also an unmedicated hospital birth. And I had decided that I really wanted to try to be in the shower. Mm-hmm. And I was. And it was great until my doctor came in and told me that she wouldn't check, she, she didn't wouldn't check progress in the shower, and she wanted to know when I was feeling more pressure. Essentially, I didn't know the details to talk through with her, and I didn't know when or how to advocate for myself, and I didn't know when I could just say no. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would have it would go. different if I was in the same exact situation right now Mm -hmm. of being in the shower and being nine centimeters dilated and started feeling pressure. I would just kind of say, screw you. I'm just going to have my baby in here. Yeah. I can do this. I don't need you to do this. Like I can squat down and catch my baby when they're coming out. That maybe is not the attitude I should have, like the whole screw you part, but <laughs> that's how I feel. Right, but at that time you felt like you needed to, her to be able to deliver your baby. Right, and I felt like I needed to be cooperative and mm-hmm. I needed to kind of do what they wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it was, I think it was equally, equally as horrible of a time mm-hmm. but the difference was I mean I remember saying I just don't know what to do I just don't t- I need like I wanted I wanted someone else to tell me what needed to happen and what I needed to do and mm-hmm. I was looking for this outside mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was my next birth too Calvary's. and I found out that that's not uh, I don't need to be looking outside for someone else to help me and tell me what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that needs to tell people what I need to do. And maybe I don't know. Maybe but maybe I need to ask God what I need right. to do and trust him. And, yes. Um, but I think I was a little bit more prepared still, though, for... I kind of knew... When, when I feel like I'm dying, then I probably really am. And I'm not just hoping I'm in transition. I'll be more confident that I really am. Mm-hmm. And, but even then, like I said, I was asking right, minutes before he was born. I was saying, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I... Tell me what I need to do. What position should I be in? All of these right. things. And to be honest, being in a hospital doesn't help with that because you're so limited on... The positions you can get What's in. What's comfortable. And, right. I mean, you're either... Once they got me out of the shower and now I'm on a bed. So I'm up on a plastic mattress mm-hmm. hospital bed that's a twin size mm-hmm. mattress and trying to turn over. And it's it's just so different than being in your own space where it's comfortable mm-hmm. with your own things and just... Right. I don't know. And feeling like everyone else around you is concerned about where you're at and how you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're trying to make sure, oh, is this okay? Oh, can right. I do this? Oh. Yeah. And not, I don't know. So. Yeah. I feel like for my next birth after Selah's, I too was feeling like things were going fine until 
I suddenly started feeling like I needed other people to tell me what to do. Like, I stopped. Which was interesting because I don't even think you really felt like that. Someone just interjected their yes. thoughts. Someone suddenly said, like, oh, oh you maybe you should do try this. And I suddenly was like. You don't want to be in that position. Remember your last birth? Right. And so I suddenly was like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know what. I haven't been, like, thinking about what maybe they think I should be doing. And well, now I suddenly just felt, like, in a panic of, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what position to get into. I don't know what to try. I don't know if I should and push really, or not push. Or that's such a horrible argument to begin with because depending on what position your baby's in and your right. own body, you could – it was assuming that being in the same position as a bad birth before was mm-hmm. going to result in the same right. outcome. Right. Which is just something that's not – Right. True. And if that was a position I, w- I was just in without thinking about it, then that probably was a great position to be in. Like, right. I think – my, I would naturally know to shift positions at a point that I feel like I need to shift positions if, and only if, I'm looking and thinking and trusting my, like, what I, like, and that's need to do. And that's not to say, though, that you might not get to a point where you think, oh, I need to get out of this position, and you try another position, and it's like, oh, that didn't help, that made yes. it worse, right. and you go back to the first position, and that still makes it worse, yes. and... Mm-hmm. It, so it's not like you just always I it's frustrating when people talk about intuitive birth and oh just trust your body and just trust your baby and Right, because at the end all the positions suck. <laughs> right, and it's not to say that you're going to just naturally just always have this confidence and this knowledge of this is just what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it, it does work out that way. Mm-hmm. That Yeah. You are in a position that is working well for you and mm-hmm. your baby. And mm-hmm. if it's not, you do kind of know it. And you... Right. If you can't get to another position yourself, you ask for help to. Right. So... The practical things for me that I feel like I did in, in births after those, the two, Arrow and Ruben, since those ones, um, are a couple. One would be... The number one difference, I would say, is being in water and staying in water through transition and delivery. I would labor in water on the other ones, but would always get out for whatever reason right around that part. And so... Do you think that you got out around that part because it was getting more uncomfortable or something and you thought that the water was working less and so... when I with Calvary's birth, I got out because it was suggested to me. Why don't right. we try getting out? Right. And so I'm I'm at the point where I'm like, well, now I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing at all. So yeah, if you think I should get out, and right. it's kind of like when they suggest me break like breaking my water, I'm like, well, if you think that that's what we should do, because I feel like all of this sucks. So you know more than me. Right. Do do whatever you I want. Just to do. want it over. Do yeah. whatever I need to do to get it over. Yeah. But with Arrow and Ruben, I had both of them. I stayed. I mean, I got in and. I was just curious Early about, active um, labor in Kate's, Kate's birth. It was just, you were just so, so long yeah, and You were so, just so in and out of the water. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So. I'm but just, you did all of your pushing out of the water? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have a moment where you thought about getting back in? No. Just totally not even. No. I don't even know if the water was warm anymore. Right. Yeah. So... Yeah, I I think the water was huge in their births. I remember as I was preparing for Arrow's birth that this was the question I would have asked anyone of like, what can I do to not freak out and panic during the last 45 minutes? Because that is always the worst. I hate it. I, I could do the whole labor over again if I don't have to do that last 45 minutes. And I remember spending a lot of time praying over that transition time and um but the water made a huge difference also things that i did were smelling peppermint oil lavender oil or peppermint oil depending on the birth but having someone hand that which to one have you done lavender cades i did lavender oh, okay. Um, I just remember peppermint with Cal for sure. Yes, but have like smelling it, and then they put it away, and then as soon as it would, the contraction would end, I'd have to smell it again, and so that that somehow was like helped me a lot to 
feel like I had something to do to calm me down. And the other practical tip, and these are things that some people could totally hate. Like, I feel like you would totally hate this, but is Tim would just have a list of verses that he would read to me and, or people would be just like praying out loud and praying for me in between and during contractions and reading scripture to me. Um, which I feel like you would totally hate that, but that feels like another tool that I, that feels like Tim knows is like very much needed to help me through transition. So those are like my three water, oil, and scripture of like having those three. And, and you know, for me, water is something that every birth beforehand even right now, like thinking about it, not even pregnant. I don't even know if I'll ever get pregnant again. But the thought of knowing, I, I've gotten to a point where I feel like God has just really challenged me on it. Of that, I don't. I need to not idolize it. I need to not think that I need to have it because that's how strongly I feel like. Right. It helps me. Yeah. Is that I have to trust that God would provide and it would. Mm-hmm. It would be okay, and I could have a good birth experience even if I didn't have that water because it's something I really, really helps me. Yeah. Um, It feels really natural to me. It feels really comfortable to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I know other people, that's not how they feel. They feel very ungrounded in the water. They feel it almost makes them more panicky, and they need to get out Uh in order to give birth. Um. So, I agree that considering staying in the water, potentially, I mean, that's one of those things that you, I can't say that that's for every person, Mm -hmm. but for me, that is, has seemed to be very helpful. Yes. Um, Another thing I think is really important to mention here is that I do understand the difference between, kind of like I was saying, that labor land of like transitioning inward and kind of being consumed by the intensity to the point that you aren't as aware of everything going on around you Mm -hmm. versus feeling like your mind is blinking out because you're trying to escape it all because it's so horrible um so that feeling feels different as far as, like you're saying, a panicky mm-hmm. feeling versus a, an still very intense and very, a lot of surreal, surreal yes. kind of a, away from reality mm-hmm. experience. But also within that, at least for me, I know that every time the maybe not 45 minutes but the the end very much if you watch my videos mm-hmm. it's I'm very composed I don't look like I'm freaking out I don't look like I'm panicking and I'm not panicking but there's still very much a lot of internally praying and just asking God to help me. Right. That I do get to a place of feeling like I'm at the end of myself and I need him to help me. Mm -hmm. I need... I I, I guess I'm just trying to say that even if you watch a bunch of birth videos and you see all these women who appear super calm and super Mm -hmm. peaceful and like, oh, they must not be, Mm -hmm. it doesn't even seem that painful for them or that that doesn't mean that in their head, they're not like, oh, I'm really dying. I think that there's always a point in labor that you get to where you feel like you've completely hit a wall and you literally can't do it. Like you can't go past the wall without God giving you the strength to do it because it it feels completely impossible. And so getting to that like desperation point of like... Even if it's a quick labor, you can still get to the... Yes. I mean, if you listen to my... The things I was saying during Ruben's birth, it... 
I don't even know everything I was saying, but I remember like saying out loud, like, I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this. I'm, I'm not able to do this. I need you to do this for me. I need you to get me through this next contraction because I can't, I can't do it. Like it being that, like, I wasn't panicked, but I was very much like, no, I really can't. Like, I can't do this, but I know you can give me what I need to get through this next one. And so just surrendering that and knowing that you'll still probably get to that point in labor and that's okay like that's of like not not feeling like you can do it on your own strength anymore right and then so you still might lose your shiz (laughs) but in a different way (laughs) yeah of but I think We've kind of covered some of the... And I think... Really going to the Lord is... I was just about to say, I think you should be spending time praying over it now. Spending time praying about it with your husband now. With your support team now. knowing that during it, that's who to go to. Yes, for sure. He's your creator. He's Mm -hmm. the creator of your baby. He's created your body. He knows everything about you. He's the only one who can keep you safe. I know that that was such a big thing for me at the end of my pregnancy and throughout my birth uh, with Pax was knowing that no matter what situation I was in, whether it was home and in the water, whether I was at the hospital having a C-section, anything in between, God was the only one who could keep me safe. Mm-hmm. He was the one that would sustain me. He was the one that would sustain my baby's life. And remembering that he had ordained our days from the beginning. Going mm-hmm. back to those truths, while it's not typically something that I feel like it's talked about a lot in when you're talking about birth, because mm-hmm. nobody wants to think about death when it comes to birth. Right. You want to think about staying the safest. Right. And and while obviously we agree with that, you want everyone to come out of everything alive, but going back to the truth we believe as Christians that nothing is outside of God's sovereign control and his plan and his timing mm-hmm. and that obviously he does work within choices we make, but that's all within his sovereignty mm-hmm. and that can feel so hard for us to wrap our minds around so mm-hmm. much of the time that we can't just not care. There is still a call to being responsible and to, to trying to seek out God's will and honor him in our choices and actions, but that when it comes down to it, we can't thwart his will. We can't right. thwart his plan and that he has numbered each of our days and he can do amazing things to sustain life and he can take life in a blink of an eye when it doesn't seem like it should have happened you know right from our worldly perspective our Mm -hmm. human perspective so when you go back to that truth you can you really can rest in it you can Mm -hmm. really find a lot of peace in that place yeah um yeah She also asked about foods. I was trying to figure out if we're going to try to segue to that question right now. When Well, might as well. Wouldn't take that long. Okay. Foods and labor. Foods and drinks. I, As soon as I know I'm in labor, which for me, the last, I don't know how many births, always starts with my water breaking. Um, or depending on who you think. My water maybe doesn't break. But anyway, um, so when I know I'm actually finally in real labor, not just the drama labor that I also experience, I immediately think of like, okay, what is this? Whether I'm hungry or not, I think of what is like a snack or something I can eat. So yogurt, a cheese stick, cashews, nuts, something that hard boiled egg is usually a go-to for me at that point something that I don't want to eat but that I know I need the like energy and protein from so that's how I usually start the labor through the labor I don't do a lot of eating I mean with Rubens I did because it was 
how many hours? And 24 from the time your water broke yeah. until you have So, to. I mean, I was obviously but, eating in there. Right. I think even with that, it's one of those things where, I mean, when, when someone says, oh, I was in labor for 24 hours, I remember I used to think... I used to think, like, end of labor, transition labor right. as, like, what labor is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting part about labor is that you can even be basically to that point, but God has designed it to when things aren't working out quite right, your body can slow down. And so your water broke. You went into almost immediately, like, we all thought that he was going to be born soon. Mm-hmm. Your, your contractions were getting closer together. They were getting more intense. Mm-hmm. And then they started spacing back out. Right. And they were still pretty intense, but not... It, it just wasn't the same overall... Right. Mm-hmm. ...feel of right. labor. And so just to say that you kind of know when you need... You might not feel like eating. Right. But there's, there's times where it's... You're, you know, you may space out to having contractions every 10 or 15 minutes, or you might still be having contractions every three minutes, but you, they're not the like intense, I'm about to birth the baby Mm -hmm. contractions. It's like you can handle. You might not want to again. Adding a yogurt in between. Spoonful of honey or a spoonful of peanut butter, I feel like is a quick go to that you can just get down. Smoothies. Smoothie is great. You wanted. Powerade or something. Gatorade. Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an interesting thing because you're saying all this and I'm thinking. Well, you don't really eat in labor because it's like it's two hours. It's so funny because <laughs> all of my home births, you could argue that I either had two hour labors or one hour labors or. I had like 24 hour labors right. or 18 hour labors. Right. Or if you count from when I first su- started having. that I have like right. the really intense, really long, like. In regular. What I would, what I would say are real contractions. Right. They're regular, but not like on the dot regular. And they're so spread apart. Mm-hmm. So spread apart. Right. That I feel so normal in between them. That of course, so like with with Pax, I woke up in the morning. I started having contractions at what five in the morning. Mm-hmm. But when I got up at eight, I have so much time in between contractions that eating breakfast didn't feel like mm-hmm. I'm even having to. Just felt like the normal thing to do. I right. Didn't feel like I'm having to really just shove this food down in between contractions and I went to the chiropractor and I had snacks for a baby shower she had put together for Mm -hmm. us and um that just sounds funny right Mm -hmm. if you don't know the situation you you and I are at the chiropractor having our baby shower (laughs) um that was fun I know so special that it was on in your early labor day. I know. It really is. Um, so, but by the time I hit the point of contractions are close together and I don't feel like eating anymore, then it's like the baby. It's like two hours, one hour. So you right. don't need to be eating. I don't even like, think about. But that's why but it's so important. Interesting, to- though. Is that at the end, with Pax, I did ask for honey. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was literally 10 minutes before he yeah. was born. Yes. And I... Yeah. I I can't even remember. It, it was very much just a, a feeling of... I don't even... I just asked for it. Yeah. I knew where they were in my bathroom, and I knew I knew honey was something that is recommended a lot as uh-huh. something that's quick and easy to get that sugar mm-hmm. up. And um, but but I do think it is really important in early labor 
mm-hmm. to make yourself eat even if you don't want to. Yes, Because I you will need that energy later when you definitely don't want to eat. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Anything to add? Nope. My husband's trying to call me. Hi, Chip. We know you'll listen to this. I know. I love that he's a faithful listener. What was I saying the other day? I was saying... We were talking about the the episode when you forgot that we were recording. And, oh, yes. And you were like, I don't even know what I was talking about. And he's like, it, I think you were I didn't even know something about... Rupees. He wasn't even in the conversation. He's like right. in the background doing dishes. And he was like, oh, you were talking about hardships with Ruben. And I, I like looked at him like... Uh, oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah. So funny. He just got off of work, apparently. He's driving to go up to transport his beehives. Mm. So he's moving them from the land that they're on to some other land. So I have no idea how that will go, but... All right. Well. Yeah. Well, this was our very all-over-the-place episode, per yeah, usual. I think that we've had worse. No, we have. But they're just topics that don't At really fit I together. Can, At least we can title this I one. I know. I know very clearly. There's times where we turn it off and we're like, what did we even say? Yep, I, I know. know. Yep. But. All right. We will hopefully be back next week. Goodbye.